Glasses in session at Simple Math. It's two nerds in a third podcast. As always, I'll be your party host, Joe, and I'm glad to be joined by Sasha. Say hi, Sasha. Hi, Sasha. And our third today is is a friend, a, a dear friend of mine, uh, not <laughs> Sasha's, <laughs> um, who's the only thing worse than his takes are his jokes. Ooh, but uh, <laughs> a good friend, Maddie D. Matt, say say hi to the audience here. Hi, audience. How's everybody doing today? So they, they don't talk back. No. <laughs> They do, in, they do in your minds, so just like, you picture them in their underwear, which is what I usually do anyway. But, so, today we're going to talk a lot about, this is a singular focus episode, we're going to talk a lot about a very controversial game that released this year. Surprisingly controversial. Um, it was, like, a lot of people just didn't like it, they didn't like the dark, the really dark direction that the game took, which is surprising to me, but... That game is Paper Mario, the origami game. <laughs> Just kidding. That, that game is The Last of Us Part 2. Now, obviously, this is a game that went through hell in its development cycle, right? Yeah. It, I mean, the game in its entirety got leaked. Um, the sequel, obviously, to the, to the insanely popular Last of Us, which came out in 2013. Um, so, yeah, this, this game it released earlier this year. It kind of caught a lot of people by surprise, but... Each of us have played through it. Each of us have our thoughts on it. And we're ready to share them. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I managed to play through it later than everybody else, but also completely spoiler free. I just I just stayed off the internet uh-huh. uh, for like two months. It was wonderful. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm in a better place now. I'm eating well. I'm stressing. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, the internet. Bad for you. Bad for everybody. But really, um, so so in case you didn't pick up on it, this episode will contain massive spoilers to the game. So, at this point, I mean, we'd hate to lose you as a listener. We hope you played through the game. But from this point forward, it's we're going to tell you everything there is to know about this game. So, uh, there's your warning. There's your yeah. fair warning. So and, and from, this, from this sentence on, spoilers. Right. We'd hate to lose you like we lost Joel. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so let's, get, let's, get this, let's get this started. Um, so, The Last of Us... Two is a game that came out in 2020. That is These are facts. Uh, those facts. are the facts of the story. Um, the sequel, obviously, like we mentioned, 2013, The Last of Us, in which uh, there's a girl named Ellie who is immune to a cordyceps virus, which takes uh, assume the, the world, um, but it's only it's only contained to the United States, so we don't know. But you know, I mean, the it. rest of the world could be handling this pandemic. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> we'll never know. Please wash your hands, folks. Um, wear a mask, please. Uh, but um, yeah, so sequel to that game, and this takes place six years or four, four years, years later. Four years later. Four years later, after The Last of Us One, where Ellie and Joel are now in retirement. Retirement. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Uh, in a nice community in Wyoming uh, called Jackson, and that's where the game really picks up. That's where it starts. And yeah, I mean, so. I mean, actually, just like hit a bullet point right off the jump, I was really surprised at how little impact her immunity had as like a as a plot point. Like I expected that to, like that to come in as a bigger plot point, and it didn't. Mm-hmm. And like I don't feel like one way or another about that. I just like I was I was just surprised. Right. Um, yeah. I think we'll, when we get into maybe discussing some of the discourse later on, we'll touch on that. But that seems to be one point of contention with some of the the people that have played the game is that it's brought up at one point and then kind of just falls by the wayside and it's never brought up again. Yeah, well, maybe they could have handled that differently, maybe not, but yeah, I think but within the within the story that they're telling, it's not the most it's not the most crucial important. aspect right. of her character. It's it's, it's crucial, but in, in, a, in a way you wouldn't expect it to be, I think right. is actually the best way to put it. So, so before we get further into the story, we just want to touch, and, and this is what, to me, makes this game so special in that 
everywhere you go, all the reviews that you read, people online that are mad about it, are not talking about the gameplay of the game. Yeah. Everybody's talking about the story. Everything ab- about this game is about the story. The gameplay's good. It's solid. Um, the stealth portions are fun. Um, both Ellie and Abby, who you play as, have two drastically different play styles. Yeah, I mean... But they're both very good. Very fun to play as. The gameplay is very, I mean, almost a one-for-one for for the original game. Right. But I think that the stealth and the sneaking aspect is a lot more forgiving in Part 2. Now, correct me, like, I haven't played Part 1 in a while, but that's, like, I remember, like, really struggling with the stealth, and in Part 2, I had a shotgun, so I didn't struggle as much. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think part of it, a couple things, whereas the stealth may be more forgiving, I think a lot of that has to do to one of my favorite aspects of it, which is the level design itself. Um, they, the way that they set up all these different areas where you are in engagements with, whether it be the WLF or the Seraphites, there are the 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 Seraphites. Um, <laughs> Let's keep this PC. They are they're so well designed, and you have different avenues of navigating between houses and other sorts of buildings that are there. Whether it be squeezing through a gap or crawling yep. under a fence, they've really given you not just making it easier because I felt that the combat was a lot more challenging once you actually were engaging with with the enemy, but they gave you a lot of different avenues to approach encounters and then also to back away and kind of reestablish your stealth when you were found out. That, I think that's a very fair assessment, yeah. The, yes. uh, the, I, I, I loved like, being able to like sneak like under like you know busted walls or between cracked walls and then like, be, able to, be able to approach different angles. It was really, really empowering. Like, where a lot of, sometimes in stealth games, you'll have one kind of way to approach a certain section. There was never really one way to approach any section in any of these, in any encounters that you've had in the game, which I felt was very, very well done. So, yeah, I I think that's going to be the brief, of anything we talk about this game, that'll probably be the briefest section, because the gameplay was not a problem. It's it's amazing, it's smooth, uh, it's satisfactory. Playing as Abby makes you really appreciate having a solid knife. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's bad. I burned through those ships. Um, <laughs> and who needs knives when you got those guns? <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to I'd like to point out <clears throat> one more thing about about the uh, the gameplay here, and that's um, and a lot of times when you play these games where you have like upgradable weapons and you actually have to spend resources to get the weapon, I actually felt the noticeable difference every time that I upgraded a weapon in this game. So that was that was nice to have too. Where like the weapon sway and stability of of a gun would be like. Once you, once you get the gun, you unlock it first, it would kind of suck. But the more you actually level it up, the better it felt. Which I feel like isn't always the case in a lot of games. I think a lot of games that have that kind of system, you can you can use a weapon at its core value and, yeah. and not really feel like you're losing anything out on it. So yeah. <clears throat> one, yeah. other, one other quick thing I wanted to touch on about the gameplay that I, that I picked up on is where once you unlock the ability to hold your breath to steady your aim, the way they made you feel like these are living, breathing characters because once Ellie or Abby, spoiler, who released their breath, now you you see that, and there's a little bit of extra sway as they make that large exhalation mm-hmm. and they begin to take those new breaths. So it was just a little aspect of the game that really just kind of helped flush it out and make it feel that much more kind of realistic. And how many times have I told you, Sasha, and I guess you too, Matt, <clears throat> the little, it's the little things that make a good game great, right? And so it's like little details like that that really help push The Last of Us for me to a whole new level. So, um, now, this next segment is going to take up most of this podcast, and that's the the story and the characters, right? And this is what's gotten people, their underwear all bunched up, and 
and uh, shoved in someone else's mouth, I guess. But like, um, I don't, I don't understand why that's relevant, but it is to me. So it's, it's relevant for a good time. Um, <laughs> now, I mean, like, people are really upset about the direction the story took, and so, so like, we can briefly cover the story itself. In the first couple hours of the game, you see, you know, like, Joel and Le- Ellie are living in this community in Jackson together. Their relationship is strained, though. You know, as a, as a, as a player, you don't know why. And then shortly after that, Joel runs into some outsiders who brutally murder him. Uh, and, Ellie ha- and Ellie sees it. And then His so- head is currently lying on the 17th fairway some, somewhere <laughs> after Abby took him for a 350-yard drive like Happy Gilmore. But, but what a swing, though. I mean, that form. <laughs> Beautiful form. Um, Beautiful form. <laughs> and so, but like the, so the first half of the game you play is Ellie trying to get revenge on Abby. And then the second part of the game is a segment, as a flashback segment, where you play as Abby while Ellie was hunting her. Um, and then the last part of the game, you play as Ellie again, uh, hunting Abby again. <laughs> um, so there's like there's a lot of but people. People really don't like the fact that Joel was killed early. They really don't really don't think that they think it. The argument is that he was he's too smart to die that way. Uh, he was too cautious. He was too paranoid. Like in Last of Us One. He was so uh, like he was so careful all the uh-huh. time, and you see this is this is the argument I have with people that had a problem with the way Joel went out, and it's a, it's a little multifaceted for me. So Joel dies like we mentioned after Abby Abby clubs his head off quite literally, um, and well, not, not literally. Well, his, you know, his head she, is still attached. Okay, but she she beats the shit out of him with that with that nine iron. Correct. So. Um, but. People are like, well, Joel would never give up his name that easily to, you know, outside of this and that. And to that I have to say, Joel has been living in peace with Ellie in Jackson for four years, right? So he's with a group of people that he feels comfortable with. So it's safe to assume that he's let his guard down. And it's not like Joel is a guy who grew up in the middle of the cordyceps virus. He was an adult when the cordyceps took place. So it's not like he's not used to living a quote-unquote normal life. He already knows how to live a normal life. And it's not like he was a terrible guy before the cordyceps. Right. It was the cordyceps that kind of changed the way he was. We don't know that. He he, he may have been a consmuggler. But, like, so the the argument that is, like, oh, but he was so careful and cautious in part one. It's like, well, that's because he was living a life of crime Mm -hmm. inside of a literal war zone where, like, Mm -hmm. the warring faction in... Philadelphia? I forgot what game starts. Uh, I think it starts Boston. 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 Okay, yeah. Boston starts, uh, and like there's a little, like there's literal war between the Fireflies and the, and the faction he's with there, and he's like, he's also a, like a smuggler for mm-hmm. that, for between the two organizations. And so, yeah, like, of course he's cautious and knows he's like, what's going on? He's like living a, literally a dangerous life at the time. So, of course, of course he would be. But after four years of like settling down and like living a happy life and like encountering people from outside on a regular basis, ease up after a while. It makes sense. Right? And, I, and I think also within the first game, they were on this journey and they had an end goal that they were they had to get to uh, Salt Lake City yeah. um, in order to deliver Ellie safely to the Fireflies. So he had to take that precaution to make sure that he didn't jeopardize what the objective was there. Whereas now living in Jackson, they are as you mentioned, they're living the closest to a normal sort of life and routine sure. that they can. And also... Like they you, you are not, you not hunt cordyceps regularly. <laughs> <laughs> also, they are trying to help people that may be in the area. They are bringing people into yeah. the Jackson settlement, 
Um, so I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that, you know, they find these individuals and they're something as innocuous as sharing their names. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no way that they could have foreseen that this is the specific purpose why these people right. are there. Four exactly. years later, right? It's it, 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 like, like you said, there's no way that Joel's been living a happy slash crazy paranoid life for four years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Who is he, me? <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, that's that's the thing. That seems to be the main complaint that people have with this game is the way that Joel went out. Which, yeah, what are they upset? I, I've said this a million times. Like, a scoundrel deserves a scoundrel's death in media. We see it all the time. These guys never get away clean. Han Solo, right? Like, I understand that he, you know, you know, dying by the, the sun, by your hands, uh, whatever I'm trying to say. By your son's own hand. By your, by your handsome son's hand. <laughs> <laughs> I guess is what I'm going with. But by, death by your son is, like, not exactly a scoundrel's death, but a lot of people thought he deserved the heroic death. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Joel. A lot of people thought Joel deserved the heroic, guns-blazing, kind of glorious death. That's not who he is as a character. And in a world that has consequences, in a lawless world... I'm totally fine with the way he went out. Was it surprising? Yes. Was I a little bit shocked it happened? Sure. Yeah, I was very surprised. Was I upset that I... Did I misunderstand? Like, because part of the genius of the storytelling, too, is that... Well, you, if you play the first game, you know... Well, Joel stole Ellie, who could potentially be the cure for mankind... And shot up the Fireflies Hotel. So you think that these guys are just Fireflies and they're just there to exact revenge and, you know, this and that... But it's so much more than that. So, like, that's why you initially think Joel, Joel dies. Like, it's a shallow death. Yeah. But his death springs a lot more. Sure. Yeah, no, I know. I mean, his, his death comes from a much more complex storyline, and it right. also produces a much more complex storyline. Right. And that's, and that's, like, that's why Abby is such a great... Like, playing the second part of the game is Abby. People also, like, claim they did not, like, connect with Abby as a character. Like, you know what? I get that. Maybe you didn't connect with her as a character, but you have to at least understand where she's coming from. Right. Like, you play... The second half of the game, you play as Abby. You 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 experience all her friends, all her like her life, literally mm-hmm. for three days through Seattle, as well as like numerous flashbacks and like the immense like the awful PTSD that she's lived with for years. Mm-hmm. That's like has literally consumed her life and destroyed her. Right. Um, like her sense of like normalcy. So, yeah, I'd be mean, like I. I know Joe is Team Abby over here. Uh, well, you know, for, for me, but, the thing that gets me about Abby is that. Of all the characters that we've met in The Last of Us, whether it's the first game or this one, Abby had the most normal life going through the Cordyceps virus, right? Her dad was a doctor trying to save lives. Like, she grew up with the Fireflies, presumably, so these were people that, you know, kind of had a handle on shit for the most part, or at least as much as she could. So, like, she had a very normal life up until her father was off by Joel, which is the tie-in to the first game. So, um... Abby was clearly, she was on the path of revenge. She was on that cycle of violence. And she's been looking for Joel. She's absolutely swole um, because she's been training her whole life. She's, some would say she's big swole. Um, <laughs> yeah, she, for the, like, for the wrestling fans there. She, she's literally let, let, it, she's let this revenge consume her life. Right. And, and, like, and that's also teased at multiple parts throughout the game wherein... You know, Owen, her one-time boyfriend and now ex-boyfriend who's moved on and impregnated someone else, um, tries to make moves on her at his home base in the aquarium. And just as they're about to get it on, she goes, no, I can't do this because I have revenge on my mind. Dude, like, and, and that's exactly... And she's just absolutely consumed well, by like, this. And that's, and that, that's, the, like, that's the, like, the running thing throughout the whole uh, story plotline 
like at the aquarium where you're, where you're getting to that point where like he tries to hook up with her is like every like ten minutes she's like oh but I have trading I have to go to trading it's mm-hmm. like that's all that she thinks about that's all she cares about is like getting stronger better whatever and improving to be able to uh, exact revenge so yeah it's I mean like I think I I, I completely see, I see where you're coming from and like uh, listen I by the end of the game I don't know what side I was on right it was a mess I, I was an emotional mess it, the game does a very good job of not having a hero or a villain like nobody's good nobody's bad like these are just people trying to survive and yeah. in a world where there's there's no sense of normalcy anymore like the these people are learning how to live their life. It's not like, and I mentioned this a few times, it's not like this is a world where, you know, we're two centuries deep into the cordyceps and everybody knows how to live a normal life. We're 35, 40 years into having it. So there are people that know what it's like to live normally. And and there are people that know what the world was before. And that's, I think, part of the beauty of the story, too, is because these characters want to go back to kind of living that normal. And they can't because of what happened in the first game with Ellie. So, um, yeah, Abby, from a character standpoint, I, I loved Abby because she was a girl who was just living her life. Her dad was trying to do good by the world, and somebody killed him senselessly. Um, for the, I mean, from you won't her, say you won't say senselessly, but from, from her, her point of view, yeah, her perspective, it was senselessly. So, um, I, I obviously people disliked her. Uh, people disliked playing as her. Uh, wow, she, I, I don't know. I, I, I honestly like, don't know. I mean, like her, her and Ellie have two different styles of gameplay, and Abby is definitely much more my style of gameplay, right. where like she is just gonna destroy everything <laughs> around her. Uh, you got a flamethrower, you got shotguns, you got the hunting pistol. Ooh, right. let's, let's go, <laughs> the hunting pistol for the, oh. those that haven't played it yet and are still sticking around. Hunting pistol is OP. That's yeah. the route to oh, go. Oh my goodness! Yeah, mm-hmm. just um, put all your scrap into that. See, I felt um, I was more engaged in the in Ellie's side of the story because I had more investment because I've been with Ellie and I've been with Joel through the first game but I felt the actual encounters and events that it, that occurred during Abby's side of the story were more exhilarating from a gameplay perspective and were more engaging um, I think there was a little bit more variety in the encounters that she had whereas Ellie was kind of more so going through this grassy place get through these people let's get to the next one um so i think that little bit of gameplay variety and the the intensity of some of abby's sequences um were a little bit better than what we experienced on ellie's Mm -hmm. on abby's side of ellie's side of the story right and i think abby too what made me so interested in her as a character is where was it all gonna end right because she get the game starts and she gets her revenge and, and that's it. Like, she kills Joel. She leaves Ellie. So clearly, she like she had no idea what the deal was with Ellie. She didn't care for Ellie. She just came for Joel, and that was it. Like, she's not a heartless murderer. She's just driven by vengeance. So, for me, I... Well, she is a little bit of a heartless murderer, but... <laughs> but she's not, she's not. Like, she still has... Like, she still suffers from the PTSD. Like, uh, even when, when Ellie confronts Nora, she says, oh, you, like, do you... I still hear screams at night. Mm-hmm. Good, you know it's mm-hmm. awful, but it's like everyone. Uh, this affects everybody across the spectrum, right? Mm-hmm. And so, but like when the, when the, you load it into Abby's story, I didn't know how I, I didn't know about the game, and I was like, oh, I see, I see what Naughty Dog's doing here. Nah, forget this. I'm still on Team uh, Ellie. Mm-hmm. No way. And as but the more I played as Abby, like I I definitely like grew more fond of like the character. I understood the character's motivations, 
I grew attached to all of her friends, Betty, Nora, Owen, his hair. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've heard big fans of Owen's hair. <laughs> Listen, like, he's... The, I don't know where he, like, if he's, like, stolen all the shampoo that's left in Seattle, but, like, <laughs> that, that was clean. Um, but, yeah. Say so he uses head and shoulders, but for Joel, it would just be shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, like, for me, like, I, I, I knew what their intention was. I was firmly against it, but I still, I was open-minded enough, I guess, to, like, let, like, to let the game narrative do what it was doing and see, see like, what, it, what did it have for me to discover? And I explored it, and I really, like, like I said, at the end of the game, I couldn't tell you if, if I had to choose I, could, I, could, I wouldn't be able to I would like to stick on that open-mindedness part for a second because this is one another one of the critiques of the game we'll talk a little bit more about them later but for me personally playing a video game especially a story-driven video game plenty of people don't like games for their gameplay style or you know it's not a genre they enjoy but when you're playing The Last of Us you're getting into it because of the story right you're probably not playing it because of the gameplay we all know that um I mean, sure, maybe you have a thing for zombies, but this is not your traditional zombie shooter. Uh, and if you've played the first game, which I'm assuming most people that played the second have, um, then then you know you're not getting into it for a run-and-gun style game, right? Well, I, would, I would be curious to hear from somebody who hadn't played the first one and played just this one. Right. I would be curious about what that impression would be. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So, so for me, it's like... If, if you're playing this game... I totally lost my train of thought. Thanks for that. But, <laughs> That's what I'm here for. <laughs> But if you're playing, I remember what I was going to say. If you're playing this game and you're not playing it through with an open mind, and you're just pissed that they killed Joel off, like within the first for, for, for thirty, hours, for of the 30 game. hours, afterwards. right? And so, like, if you're, if that set you like, then what are you doing? Like, keep an open mind, play the game, make mm-hmm. your judgment afterward. I feel like that's that's a very common issue with fandom these mm-hmm. days. Is that fans? Again, listen, I love the passion fans bring to a lot of things. Like. I, you get excited for a sequel. You get excited for something, and like you have. Mets like, fans get excited for their season every year. <laughs> every year. Then they have the right to do that. Um, <laughs> but like you know, so you get. Of course, you, love, you you all the fan fiction in the world has all this you know infinite stories about like which way this could go. Everyone theory crafts and like I try to figure out. And that's like that. That's the fun part of fandom. It's a lot. It's great. But what's not fair is to punish the developers for not living up to your vision of what the game should have been. Just because it's not what you want, it doesn't mean it's lazy writing or bad writing or a bad game or any of that silliness. And it's really the problem with I think I think that's a, that's a problem that's, that's a problem with fans. That's on that's on us as fans to be better. Um, because Last of Us Two had like was an emotional rollercoaster. That game was heartbreaking for me like for for thirty hours mm-hmm. of fucking heartbreak. Uh, I just oof like I I literally got when when you get to the aquarium with Ellie, I. Just stopped there for like two days. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if it's if it's like more cordyceps or if I'm gonna have to like murder some of Abby's friends. I just like I can't handle this right now. <laughs> it's it's too heavy. The game is so heavy. It's like all of, it's it's a very very emotionally draining game. But like it's if it's like it's a very satisfying thing to play through and kind of work through. And I like that's why I feel bad for all the people who like played this and just were just upset the whole time because they couldn't get their head out of their butt. <laughs> yeah, I think um, talking about fandom, oftentimes we as fans of this, that, or the other thing, we often assume some sort of sense of ownership of it. And Joel is my character, and mm-hmm. I have a special connection with him. And I think we often lose sight of the fact that, okay, the, the creative director and the writer of this particular game, as strong as my connection may be with Joel 
theirs is equally as strong, if not stronger, because they've developed them and they've seen them through this whole journey and, you know, in a, in a sense, raised them to be the character that you see as the end product. So I think a lot of people pointing the finger and um, blaming Neil Druckmann or Haley Gross or... Excuse me, his name is Cuckman. <laughs> um, you know, it's... I, I understand being upset with the story, but, you know, we don't own those characters any more than these other individuals do. Mm-hmm. And whereas, oh, it may be difficult for us to see Joel be killed because of the connection we have with them to just assume that these people are masochists and they don't have any um, they don't have any connection to the character or they don't care at all what other people feel about the decisions that they've made I don't think that's fair to the creators who are trying to um, come out and not simply entertain, entertain us but to challenge us as well and present us with stories and content that uh, maybe it's going to make us step outside our comfort zone of what we expect is going to happen. And that's a very good point, too, because um, YouTube video, I, he's insanely popular, but I admittedly have never heard of him before. His name is Nathan Zed. He put out a wonderful 20-minute video yes. um, discussing this discussing this game. And I thought Zed was dead. I have no idea what you're talking about. Are you talking about Men in Black uh, 3? Pulp Fiction. Oh, guy. Pulp Fiction. No, okay. He's talking about the Lost City of Zed. Oh, okay. Anyway. God damn it. This is why we didn't want to have you on. Anyway, um, so, so we're playing, and I lost my train of thought again. Well, Swing them yes, we finished the conversation. I thought I just did what I wanted. <laughs> but um, so, so, yeah, I don't know. I Nathan mean, Zed's video, you were just right. Yeah, Nathan Zed video, and he discusses this too. We're like, yeah, Joel is your guy, but it's not a game's purpose to to satisfy any any form of entertainment. Really, it's not their sole purpose to satisfy your fan fiction or your vision of what the story should be, which I feel like a lot of detractors and, cri- and all the criticism of this game came to be were like, they wanted an Adventures of Joel and Ellie game. Yeah. Where like, they go on a, on a quest across the United States to try and, you know, cure do the whatever, virus. Cure the virus. Like, that's what a lot of people thought it was. But anybody who played the first game knows that that's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Number one, because the whole... Um, guy takes girl from point A to point B or guy takes son to point A to point B or whatever is like that trope's been played out already so they were never going to revisit that same thing in the, in the second part and number two there's so much more to this world than just what happens with Joel and Ellie and I think sure. that they they discuss that a lot and they, they explore that a ton in this game I mean like also like the relationship between Joel and Ellie's been explored in part one right do it again like they could get creative and like really like stretch and like really grind out some reason for them to have to bond again or whatever. But really, like, wh- but why force this when like they when they they can go in an alternate direction direction that provides a new and interesting challenge for us fans to kind of explore? Like, I after the first couple hours of this game, I had no idea where I was going, and I I, leg- I legit thought this game ended twice. <laughs> like, when you when you when you finish the Ellie storyline, I was like, all right, well, uh, you know. Abby doesn't murder me, thank God, and she lets me leave. Oh, I'm going to retire to a farm. Awesome. And then, like, oh, you keep playing. I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, you know, so then, like, so like you, you play through, uh, through like, the Ellie storyline, you play through the Abby storyline, no one dies. I'm like, oh, great, we move on with our lives. Story's over. But then there's more. And, like, there's more gameplay where you play as, like, like, 
Ellie, who hasn't quite given up on the idea of revenge, who still suffers from the PTSD and this trauma that she experienced. And that's a, that's a good and segment like, to bring it back to Ellie. It is, and it's like it's this this deeper exploration of this character. Like you know, it's she has been through a lot of awful things, and I love the angle that she doesn't forgive Joel on um, not not sacrificing her to cure the virus, cure the disease. You know, I didn't expect that. That was a surprise to me. But it, you know it. She has survivor's guilt. That's a real thing. I'm sorry, all you psychologists on Reddit don't understand that. <laughs> but like, it's just there's like there's so, there's so many there's so many more deeper aspects to the game because they went with a different angle. And you know, Ellie even says it in the game. She wanted her life to mean something, mm-hmm. right? And the fact that Joel and I and I told this to Matt a few days ago. The fact Joel fell in love with the job. That's all it was. Right? Like, Joel's main job was to take this girl to the Fireflies. That's it. Right? He was supposed to be the transporter, just with more hair. That was, that was, his, whole, that was his whole job. And, and, few, and fewer cars. <laughs> and fewer cars, right. Um, so, like, that was the whole gig. He fell in love with Ellie because he obviously lost his daughter in the first game. And he saw his daughter in her, and she softened him up. So, Joel found his redemption, and that's partially... That's, that's a big reason why he saved Ellie at the end. Because... He made he made a selfish decision. Like that's the bottom line. He made a decision where, like, you know, well, this girl, like, even if she dies, she could present the answer for mankind, or lesser lesser consequences. You know, and we'll get into this discussion in a minute. But he saves Ellie from the fireflies, and it's a selfish decision. That's the, that's the bottom line. So, yeah. I mean, he, um, he, he's doing what he thinks is best for him and her. He doesn't care. He doesn't care about the rest of the humanity because he's like, you know, in his eyes, they're pretty awful anyway. Right. And so he's like, he'd rather save her than everybody else. And and the thing about Ellie is we haven't, at least to this point in The Last of the Story, we haven't met anybody else that's immune yet. Yeah. So she's the one. She's it. Like, and, and there's no, we've crossed paths with a, with a decent amount of factions uh, and a decent uh, amount of people looking uh, for Unless she's part of a duet. Duet in the Force. Uh, <laughs> oh, a uh, dyad. 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 A dyad in the Force. See a duo. Uh, oh my yeah. god, anyway, why? Um, so, yeah, like, that, that's, you know, she's still this anomaly, mm-hmm. in a sense, that she's a bit, which they use brilliantly mm-hmm. uh, multiple times throughout the game. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy that. Uh, when she's hanging upside down, and they, and they try to, like, like, feed her to the clicker. Oh, <laughs> oh my god, savage. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, she's unique, and so, like, but instead of, like, Instead of following the expected route and hinging the whole story on this, like, oh, we're gonna use we're gonna use Ellie to find a cure in a, in a, in a way that doesn't kill her. Like, okay, like that, like that. I'm sure that, like, I'm sure they can make a good game out of that. But they didn't. That's fine. It's okay that they didn't do that. And they explored this other angle that, like, led to a lot more complex feelings. And feelings are hard. Yeah. And with Ellie. As Joe mentioned, she tells Joel at one point in the game that um, her life could have mattered mm-hmm. if he allowed her to be sacrificed. So, aside from dealing with the survivor's guilt, she's also she's looking for that purpose and what's going to make my life matter since I missed this opportunity. And aside from missing out her chance for um, reconciliation with Joel, she also feels that this this is my purpose now. This is what's going to make my life matter. And I think when I first played the game, I questioned the structure of doing Ellie's whole story, then Abby's whole story, wondering if they should be commingled and do, you know, bounce back and forth between the two. But as I thought about it more, I realized how much 
playing Ellie's essentially 90% of her story first really informed the later parts of the game. Because as you go through, you're fo- you have this singular focus. Abby is the villain. We must get to Abby. Um, but then when you make that transition, you see, okay, Abby, who has had her revenge, she's still suffering from her nightmares and her you know, lack of resolution. And it's only through her continuing on and doing something for someone other than herself, helping Yara and Lev with their needs and understanding the perspective and circumstances that someone that was her enemy what they are going through that helps her grow and move past the torment that she has from the death of her father so then by the time you get to the end of the game and your final confrontation as ellie with abby you're um what's the word i'm looking for you're clamoring for ellie not to kill abby because you realize that this is not going to solve your problems this is not going to give you the respite that you need from what's tormenting you and the thing about ellie too is is that she doesn't want the revenge to to do right by joel she wants to do right by herself for not forgiving joel the last time that they were kind of together because that relationship was icy obviously like joel um ellie is upset from the first game for joel saving her and then as she's very upset with the way that joel handled himself at a party between uh, a few, he breaks up a fight essentially, and Ellie, rather than you know, thank Joel for it, she is still very mad at him for it. Yeah. Um, so like that kicks off their whole like icy relationship between the two, and then so, so she goes the whole game realizing that she's harboring this grudge against Joel, and and she's killing people for Joel, but she's she's not. She's she's yeah. doing it because I, she she feels like she's justified in her actions, but she's not. I mean, like she, she it's uh, I mean, like it's yes and no. It's I think that she's angry at, at Joel for, like, like you know, putting her in that situation. She's angry at herself for not forgiving him. She's angry at uh, Abby for taking away that opportunity for, for them to reconcile. Like, there's a, there's a lot of anger uh, in the game. And, like, she doesn't... She, and as we've seen, Ellie is not good at expressing feelings. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the thing. Like, like, she really struggles with coping with her emotions. Uh, even, like, sharing them with herself with Dina or sharing herself with, with Joel is, like, very difficult for her. So I think, like... I think that, like this is a deeper exploration of like how like not like working on the resolution in a healthy way could be like so destructive on herself because like she 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 destroys her 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 life when she goes through her revenge the second time. And I actually feel it's those the moments with Dina. Well, a lot of people, some of the again, don't want to jump too far ahead, but there has been some criticism about Ellie losing what made her the character that she was in the first game. And to that I say, we'll look at the events of Winter in the first game and what oh she's God. been through. Mm-hmm. So cool. um, but we still see there are these tender, quiet moments with Dina, whether it be finding the guitar in the music shop and Ellie playing Take On Me for her. Dina sucked! <laughs> these, Who said that? These, uh, Who said that? A troll, that's who. <laughs> these, uh, there are still these tender moments that show that there's still that person that Ellie was yeah. previously, but she's gone through so much anguish that it's difficult for her to kind of be that person all the time. It's only when she has that connection with Dina that she's able to do so. And maybe one day she would have gotten that back with Joel and been able to share those types of moments with him. But as we said, Abby kind of um, 
took that opportunity away from her. And actually, she took Joel to top golf. <laughs> I mean, like the the other thing is also I think that Tommy also took that opportunity away from her um, because after Abby lets you live and uh, Ellie and Dina go home and have a baby and uh, I'll have Jesse's baby. Um, Rest in peace, Jesse. And <laughs> he was a real one. <laughs> Jesse was a real one. Uh, and they like they they, they seem to settle down into this like normal esque life. Where, like they're doing laundry, they're herding sheep. Like Ellie's still suffering from her tra- trauma. She has quite dealt with it. Herding sheep? You mean Last of Us Two loyalists? <laughs> <laughs> a sheeple who just love this game blindly <laughs> without thinking it through at all. Um, yeah, the so you know, they they settle into this life, and like Ellie's kind of like starting to soften up again and become this person that she was slowly, painfully, but slowly. Uh, and then Tommy comes and reminds her that like she promised her him revenge, and like now they know where she where she is, and she's how could she abandon Joel like that? And he like he just throws her back into this life of turmoil because revenge is all he has he he has left now too. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, this game has a lot of elements that talk about revenge, but this game isn't about revenge; it's about redemption and forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, it just you can't get to those points without the revenge. Right, exactly. It's redemption wrapped in a revenge story, but it's not about simply a cycle of revenge. Because yeah, exactly. as, as we've seen with, with Abby, who finds her redemption um, through Levin Yara. And uh, Rip Yara. God. <laughs> what, what a G. Listen, oh. Levin Yara were excellent characters. Oh my God, so good. Um, and the whole Seraphite, like, and that's, that's the other thing that I really liked that this game did. So they took the three-faction trope that we've seen a ton in games over the last ten years now. Yeah. Where you have three warring factions in a game, but... <laughs> just, you, just cause three. Yeah. Exactly. Just, just cause four. Just cause, like, like you, can name, you can name all of them, and we wouldn't... We'd go over an hour and a half here, but... Um, you have three warring factions here, but you're experiencing each of them through someone else's lens, right? So, like, Ellie is dealing with the, with the Wolves, WLF, the Washington Liberation Front, um, and the Washington Liberation Front is dealing with Seraphites, or Scars, which is a slur, and we're not going to use that anymore on this program. <laughs> um, but they're dealing with the Seraphites, who are, you know, a fanatic, uh, I guess, religious they're, cult yeah, kind they're, of they're, thing. they're a religious fanatical cult. Right, um, which has a lot of allegories to uh, religious they're, extremism, and just it's just very, very well handled, I guess we'll, yeah. we'll say that. So. Yeah, I think, I think it's an excellent, excellently handled uh, allegory for I was waiting for extremism. Tom Cruise and the rest of the Scientologists to show up, too, but that did not happen. Get <laughs> yeah. a door burst open. Mr. Cruise, no! <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, don't, we know you're listening, Tom. It's okay. Um, <laughs> uh, we're, we're on a first-day basis. It's fine. Uh, but, like, Tom, call me. <laughs> Have your people call my people. We, we don't have people. <laughs> um, not, there's not enough room in the budget for that. <laughs> there's no budget. Well, you put the whole budget towards post-editing, so I mean, <laughs> how are we supposed to afford anything else? I mean, we don't post-edit. Exactly, there's no budget. <laughs> anyway. Um, I'm beginning to see the dilemma here. <laughs> so, the... Um, I think, like, the allegory for, for the religious extremism is fantastic. Uh, and, like, and it's, it's, it's beautiful to be seen through Lev's eyes. Right. Where he's, like, where... You're, like, where Abby is dealing with her the propaganda the WLF and her experience has taught her, and then Lev is very different and he's like you know she's like oh you know, but you guys are killing everybody he's like well we're not supposed to and I don't know why everybody is that's not what the writings talk about and that's like he's a religious moderate and that's where like but you know they've all, everyone's been radicalized in this very crazy scary world they live in, um, 
but now, like now, I was fighting these ideological battles, and you know, Isaac's Isaac's Isaac is willing to murder everybody for peace. You know, like it's 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 such an insane line that they you know that they say, but you know, Isaac is willing to murder every Seraphite for peace. What? Like there was a truce, but Isaac doesn't leave the truce. It's like there's always like there's like there's so much human uh, dichotomy in this in this game. It's so good, it's so good. One one thing, um, speaking about Isaac, kind of transitioning to another character for a minute. I don't know how the two of you felt about him, but Isaac didn't really do much for me. I felt that he was um, he was a pretty guy, generic. He, he had know, to be, he had to exist. Yeah, and but he didn't have a big. purpose. He's got two him. two scenes, and but they're both um, good scenes. Yeah, yeah, they are, they are good scenes. I just feel like, um, and maybe it's simply just due to the time constraints um, and how long they wanted to make that game, but. I felt like having him in it and kind of overseeing um, or overshadowing a lot of what was going on, especially on Abby's side of the story, I thought that he was going to play a more prominent role mm-hmm. or um, something along those lines. But. Yeah, I mean, he he, he played a, a role as kind of like a, kind of as an imaginary hand, like moving things around the chessboard while you're maneuvering. Mm-hmm. And like, he I, pulls the strings, <laughs> as they say. Uh, there's no strings in chess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> They, That's the episode title. Right <laughs> Somebody write um, There's no strings in the <laughs> Isaac is very much moving things around, and like he has a, a huge impact on the game, but not directly on, on your character because, like, Abby's not important to him. Like, she's not a, she's not the hero, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what actually where once again, this like idea of a larger world is coming to play. Like, Isaac has to deal with Abby because you know there's only like a thousand people in WF. He knows her. She's a problem. Whatever. But she's like she's she's like a thing on his list. He doesn't have time for that. He's waging war against Seraphites. He's dealing with like an angry population. He has an army to manage. He has all the other shit to do. And like Abby's just a pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. And so like I get why he's not a bigger part. But like I think the two scenes that he was in were very impactful. Mm-hmm. Like when you first go see Isaac, that was horrific. Mm-hmm. Like the like the torture hotel they kind of weave, weave you through. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. And actually, I mean, I don't necessarily agree with your your assessment of his relationship to Abby because he seems to, you know pretty clearly expressed the what he sees as her importance to um, this uh, attack that they're waging on the Seraphite Island, how she planned for, he planned for Abby and Manny to kind of lead the charge in the first wave. So I think um, I actually kind of feel it's more so the opposite, that he wants to keep Abby under his thumb because he realizes the value that, that she could have if she were fully to his side, as she had seemed to be throughout the first portion of her story where she actually um, met a Seraphite and began to empathize with their their perspective. Uh, that's a fair uh, read. I, fight, I fight, fight, <laughs> fight, 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 fight. That's all we got time for today. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I think it's a fair read. I think like, it, could go, it could go either way. Um, like Dina. <laughs> <laughs> That's all we have time for. <laughs> uh, I I don't. I, it's it's hard to say. Somewhere Jesse's weeping. <laughs> I was gonna also say I didn't realize that Ellie was uh, such a big uh, Rick Springfield fan. Because <laughs> <laughs> she had to have Jesse's girl. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. Sorry, for get last the, being on this podcast. You, you won't hear from now. me again, probably. So. <laughs> Not because he won't be on, but because Sasha will kill him before he leaves this apartment. <laughs> No, no, he, you, you, the setup was great, and then you fit into it. It was just, uh, um, the, the, like, I, I think it's hard to tell because Abby doesn't have a, like, 
the hints are there because like she, everyone seems to know who Abby is, so she does have the same importance within the organization. But it's hard to tell if it's because of that or because she's been there for four years and it's not a very long tenured place to be, you know. <laughs> it's a war zone, so it, it could go either way. Um, I'm okay with that reading as well. I don't think it it impacts. I just think um, everybody's like super scared because Abby's jacked. Yeah, she looks like Batista out there, man. <laughs> she's gonna just power bomb someone through a table. <laughs> or, or, or a club to a face, you know, one way or another. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's, I, I don't know. I, I, th- I think Isaac was a, was a powerful character. I think he had the right amount of screen time. Right. Because, um, again, it's not, it's, it, it keeps this idea of a bigger world and, like, things are moving outside of the character's control, which I like that. I like... It's weird. I like being in a game and, like, give, being given that sense of, like, a larger world outside you when, like, you're not that important sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, being the hero is awesome, but sometimes it's like, oh... If everything's about you, it's just very. It's, it keeps. It's a very small world. And the thing about Isaac too is that you know, for me personally, I think once you get to the island with Abby at the end, and you're trying to to escape, and Isaac bites it, um, oh, and Yara blows his face off. Right. <laughs> you know, and and I think oh like my God, that scene was so good. Yeah, everything about that was. I think that if Isaac were a weaker character, it wouldn't have worked as well as it did. Like that whole scene, like most people, but I think that actually worked. That whole scene worked really well. Would, would Isaac have shot her, Abby? Hmm. I think so. I think so, I think because so. Isaac Isaac comes off like he's got like super fragile masculinity. So maybe he saw that she was putting him work on the deltoids and it was like threatening him. <laughs> I don't know. I, I see Isaac I, I see Isaac very much as a, as a Negan character from Walking Dead. Right. Uh, where he's like I'm trying to be a nice guy, but if you're not gonna play by the rules, well Yeah, and right. again he he sees as I mentioned previously, I feel like he sees the value in what Abby could bring to the table. Sure. So on the reverse side of that coin, if she is against him, then she is a threat. So I, I wouldn't have seen him sidestepping that opportunity to uh, blow her face off. To blow her face off. Yeah. Let's let's talk about a few of the normal. Characters. As I so eloquently put it. <laughs> um, so we mentioned Dina a few times, and Dina is the best uh, character of the game, hands down. Dina, we, is, we all agree on that here. Dina <laughs> is not that, but um, no, but but really, you know, Dina. I, I know I joke about not liking Dina at all, but. For me, it's that you have a world that's been built with so many extraordinary characters who are so multifaceted, and they just that there's so much going on with each of them, right? Like Joel, Ellie, you know, even Tommy. Like, there's a lot going on with all these characters. Dean is just very like go where the wind goes. Like, she's just very a normal character, which is why like I don't want to say I was turned off to her, but I, I certainly understand her place in the game, where she is the perfect foil for Ellie. And, and, like, bringing Ellie back to, like, the human side of the world. And Ellie just doesn't, you know, really want it. Like, even when she's with when she's with Dina on the farm, like, you can tell that she just doesn't want to be there. Um, so, I, I don't know. I don't know. She, uh, Ellie doesn't have a good time there. Yes and no for me. Because like, yes, like, I, 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 think she, I think part of Ellie wants a life with Dina somewhere in a happy place like that. It's just that she can't rest until... She's just not, it's just not the right time for that yet. I think it's what it is. Um, like Matt mentioned, there were certainly like tender moments in the yeah, game. Like um, the, the everything on the farm was amazing to me. I, I that just ugh, so good. Mm-hmm. Um, like do you, like do you, like so for me, the parts that really enriched Dina the most is when she, when she was on screen with Ellie, like, like exploring Seattle. Like when you explore the temple there with uh, with Dina, that was a really power, powerful and good, and good scene to be was shocked by her sister and how her sister like would have loved this and all mm-hmm. these things like. You get to see some insight on the character, and it adds a little bit of complexity to her. But like, I think it's important that I kept her relatively uncomplicated because Ellie is so complicated right. as a person, and that like 
everyone's complicated in their own way. Like, I'm sure Dina has a lot of baggage, but she's not going to dump that on Ellie because Ellie's having a hell of a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and so it, it makes sense that, like, Dina doesn't, like, she says it it's, uh, when they're on the farm, you know. Do you, 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 you think this is easy for me? And it's it's not easy for her, but she's, she suppresses it because she understands that Ellie's struggling mm-hmm. and she wants to be strong for her. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, I think that the, there's a little bit of complexity in there as well. Uh, and they just don't dump it on you. I wasn't crazy about Dina. We've heard. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, but but in, honestly, like I, I certainly understand her purpose. Um, I just think she was too boring for me. I think is what it came down to. Because like in in this world where like there's so much shit happening, right? For her to be as like normal as she is, and the rest of the people in Jackson, really, for those people to be as like yeah, you know, we're totally cool. Like, are they like cannibals? Like, what's happening here? Like, you feel like there's more there, Listen, but there's just not. Dina is ride or die. I am like she like. She is pregnant and sick, and she attacked a jacked ass Abby to try to save, yeah. try to save Ellie. That's fair. Uh, uh, T- Dina's awesome, you know. Like I said, she's ride or die. That's... Jesse's dead. I like Jesse. Everybody's dead. All right, so so here's... Yara dead. Jesse dead. Joel so, dead. This game. Owen's ended... hair gone. Oh my god. <laughs> Bell, no no more conditioner for that boy. Um. So so the thing about this game and its characters is that they're. Alice Both. dead. Oh, God, don't. The, the, the pain that I felt when I returned to the aquarium as Abby and realized that I, ten hours earlier, had killed Alice, <laughs> the, the poor dog, at the time who'd meant nothing to me. I was emotional, guys. I'm not going to lie. I saw the monster that I had become in my quest for vengeance. <laughs> I, I, I think that, like, that I think is a, is a good line. I think, like... like it's very much the crux of play is Abby. It's like you can see what a monster is like when she goes to the island to save Lev, and like she's like, "I'll be back. I'll like, get the boat ready." I'm like, "Oh man, mm-hmm. oh he's not gonna make it." And, like I, you know it, but it's like it's it's it makes it so much more heartbreaking to me. And you see like how much Ellie is like literally just ruining her life all over again. Abby literally loses everything twice, mm-hmm. and she still doesn't kill Ellie. You know, I think that's powerful, right? And you know, this game, like I was gonna mention, this game is all about the characters mirror one another, right? So, like, Jesse and Owen are very similar in a lot of ways, like, in terms of their demeanor, um, in terms that they got someone knocked up, um, <laughs> in terms that they both live in Washington, but but really, like, so, like, Jesse and Owen are, are very similar characters. Both, both have complex love lives. Exactly. So, like, they're, they're there to kind of, like, show parallels between Abby and Ellie. Um, Mel and Dina, both, you know, in also complicated love lives and love, well, Abby's in love. Um, sorry, Mel's in love with Owen. While oh. Oh, let's let's be honest, Mel had like some real gusto to tell Abby to go f off. Yeah, and not yeah. come to Santa Barbara. I'm like, yeah. bro, she's gonna punch you in the face with that arm. That's that's gone. That's would she punch her in the face with her foot? <laughs> and the whole but the whole arm would just go through. <laughs> just right. uh, Mortal Kombat style. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I was like that. That was that was also a cool scene for me. I think that was like again. A lot of complex characters, a lot of complex emotions. Like they're trying to, like they're trying to get out of like literal hell. This WLF is this awful organization. Abby's being hunted down. Are they really an awful organization, though? Yeah. Torch yeah. torture hotel. Yeah. You see, this is all right. So this is the, the. I understand that. I do. But here's the thing. Torture. Yeah. Hotel. Yeah. So so here's the thing, though. A lot of the way that we view this game is how we view it in our world. Sure. Yeah. Of right. So, like, if you're the WLF, like, okay. in a world where everything is destabilized in this country, 
Listen, don't say torture hotel again. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> yeah. Here. Here. If you're a Republican in Trump's America, is it really that bad? Why'd you have to go there, man? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just putting exactly relativism. Uh, right, but like, we're the, it's it's an entirely yes. different yeah. thing. It's a, it's a sure. different like you can't yes. think in our terms. Correct. The, right. the, the WRLF are not the slave uh, organization from the very end of the game. That's all. That's that's worse. Mm-hmm. But they're also not Jackson. Like, there is a, like there is still a degree of normalcy. Like, mm-hmm. the WLF could could choose to not yeah. fucking like take Seattle. Um, you know, why does everyone have a hard on for Seattle? I have no idea. It's beautiful up there. Man. Uh, it's it rains all the goddamn time. Anyway, um, <laughs> it's very green. Well, again, they, they, they want to have Seattle. Russell Wilson. Like, well, like, I don't know if they have Russell Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> they had Russell Wilson. They have Russell Wilson. Have you ever listened to Ten? <laughs> I have it up on my wall. <laughs> but the, like, so for whatever reason, the WF, WLF has their, their their heart set on taking. They Seattle. don't have the supersonic, so them gone. They yeah. were long gone, long gone before that. You no, know, but the Seraphites also want Seattle, so they're fighting over this land. Thank you but for referring like, to them properly. Appreciate. It. I, will, I will do the best with the scars. Um, <laughs> Watch that. But see, like they they're fighting over this land without a real purpose, because as we like discovered, you know. 80% of the population has been wiped out. There's lots of land. Yeah. Go somewhere else. But no, like they have to have Washington State. For whatever, whatever reason, they need, they need to dominate. Right. They want to have this. These people who um, well, differ for them on an ideological level. Sure. Well, well you can't... You, you got to... If they, if they move to, to North Dakota and become the North Dakota Liberation Front, then you can't call them the wolves, so that's part of it. I did, you know, NDLF just doesn't like, sound that cool. Think of Wichita. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, it's like you know, there's. It's pretty far though. But you, know, <laughs> you, you keep the acronym, you get away from the the, the Seraphites. It's you know, it's a win-win. And nobody else is in Wichita. Not, I mean, not, not even now. At least they're not. At least they're not moving to Evansville, Indiana. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> the hicks that live there, man. I'll tell you. I, I, I've heard it's uh, the dating scene in, in Evansville is a little. Rough. <laughs> um, <laughs> in jokes aside, the uh, like, well, that's the thing. Like, so, like, there's. Yes, I think, the, I think the WLF are an awful organization. From whether you look at it from like our modern-ish perspective in 2020, or in like their alternate reality world, in like post-apocalyptic America, in a different post-apocalypse. Um, so I think they're still terrible yeah. because there's alternatives. And also, also, let me interject for all of our listeners living in Evansville, Indiana. <laughs> Please, we don't mean any personal offense by our statements. Absolutely um, do. So please, we we value your subscription and you're listening to our <laughs> podcast, so please continue to do so uh, for one, the highest quality content. What a question, man. That's to our listener. <laughs> yeah, that is actually probably accurate. The, the, the entire population. Uh, um, so, yeah, the I don't know. I, I, like, I think the WF are object, objectively terrible, regardless of what perspective you try to look at it from. Um, and, like... She's trying to leave to like join the Fireflies, which are still around and maybe better. We hope. You know, like they're also like they're also discussed as like a terror- terrorist organization potentially. They terrorize Boston. We know that. Boston. Boston. <laughs> um, they terrorize because Boston. I'm from Boston. <laughs> um, um, hopefully, hopefully they're not ter- terrorizing Santa Barbara. Santa Barbara's really nice. Um, oh no, other people are terrorizing Santa Barbara. That they are. Oof. Um But yeah, so like I don't know. I think like yes, I think Abby trying to leave and find go to a better place and then. Mel would just be like, no, you, you you can go find a better place without us. Which is like, you know, by yourself, it's hard to survive in this world. It's it's pretty brutal. Uh, you know, so. I, I, 
let's let's move on to, to Manny, right? Because Manny seems to be a pretty polarizing character. Don't break my heart like this. Well, the thing about Manny to me is that he's Hispanic and always support my Hispanic brethren. <laughs> so so to see the way he gets off the way he does without any pomp and circumstance, like, don't get me wrong, I'm totally fine with it because, you know, no, 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 everyone no, has a comment. No, no, Joe, you have to talk about how it's lazy writing yeah. and you're angry about it. I'm not, that's I think not they, the way They should have written Manny better. Hero's death, something, something. They, they couldn't. They couldn't he, have made Manny better. He would have been smarter. You know, know, the the best the best part of Manny in the game is when you go to like his love shack. Yes. And find the letter. Yeah. And find the letter. Like, I wanted to go back. Uh, so, I'm, not, I'm not sure I found the letter. Oh, okay. So, oh. so, all right. So there's there's a um, when you're leaving the camp with Abby, like yeah. right at the start of her story, or whatever. Yeah. If you do a little exploring, there's an apartment that you go in, and in the apartment, there's like a letter, a love letter written to. A lover uh-huh. from Manny. No, I think it's the other way around. Is it the it's other? A, way yeah, I think it's a letter because the, the the writer is talking about uh, whispering in her ear in Spanish, mm. and that's the point when Manny takes the note yes. away. Uh-huh. Oh, uh, I, did, I did not right. find the note. So, so anyway, so like, there's there's that's that tragic. which is like it's it's wonderful. So you realize you're, you know, dirty Mike and the boys, and this is uh, Manny's F shack. So, <laughs> so, so this is so, but like it's little humanizing moments like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know how human having a, having a love shack is, but like oh, Manny yeah, was, yeah. I thought was a great character, and like he was fierce, he was loyal, but he was also very personable. He was also fiercely um, loyal. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah some some might say. Oh no, but Manny was like I think that's like that's what really uh, made me like this WLF like little crew, like Abby's crew. Is like they were all very like ride or die. Mm-hmm. Like, I think like that's kind of it's it's a it's a product of this kind of environment. Even Mel, mm-hmm. uh, but it's a, it's a product of this environment where it's like you know if if you survive together, you grow this intense bond. So like yeah, Manny and Abby are serving the WLF, and she's gonna break the rules, but he's like I got your back, you mm-hmm. know. Even though like he knows that's like big trouble with Isaac if he, if he gets caught, you know. It's but he's got her back, and like either he be, like after she like she's wanted it, he beats up with her with the sniper thing. He's still like whatever. We're, we're still comrades. Mm-hmm. Let's take care of this. Uh, no, Manny's a, Manny's a very loyal loyal friend. It brings us to Levin Yara, who were the purpose of Abby's redemption, right? So, but but still very good characters. On very own. very very good characters in their own right. Yeah, I don't mean to diminish what they were because they're both Levin Yara were were excellent characters and Yara, what a thug! Right, right. Both uh, of them, man. Both of them. I mean, Lev, absolutely. Let me be wrong. Like Yara, like. She gets her arm smashed by a hammer, and Abby's like, "How is your arm?" She's like, "I'm handling it." I'm like, "Bruh." Let's try that on you. Let's see how that works. I'm a little confused though. How Abby set the bone, and then Mel finds her's like, there, "There's dust in here. There's, there's, there is no bone left." Well, Abby's clearly not a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Just like people that like this game clearly aren't writers. So, that too. so but no, but Levin Yara. So they're two kids as part of the Seraphites, um, who who are kind of like a. You almost feel like they're they're out of place, right? Like as part of this cult, because they're two very sweet kids, um, and you're going through this with you're going you travel a lot with Abby, obviously, and they explain like the cult to Abby and and where they're coming from and yeah. like the prophet and this and that. And, and she has different. She has the same way she travels with Yara and she travels with Love separately. I think mm-hmm. that was also really nice. Mm-hmm. Kind of, it gives you like it explores both characters thoroughly, right? And like through Abby's lens. Mm-hmm. And I thought I thought both were, were excellent characters yeah. too. Um, yeah. yeah. So I mean, I mean, like, uh, it's I know like people are gonna get all the likeness for because we're like you know liberals love SJWs, but like <laughs> like you have two female lead characters 
you have a trans character and you have like a, a series of other mi- like minority characters in the game who are all like main character characters in their own way and they like but it's it doesn't feel plugged no like it doesn't feel forced it doesn't it, it's very it's written so well because, by these terrible writers you see i think <laughs> you know i think the thing for us is that we're in a very very diverse area where we live in the country mm-hmm. so sure. so like for us it's it's normal to see what we see right like so we play this game and we're like yeah that's life but if you're living in Evansville Indiana where you might not see this as often or you know Ever. if you're living in Champaign Illinois where you might <laughs> not see this as often then it might be jarring to you but simply put don't be a bigot because like di- diversity is diversity like that's what it comes down to like these people exist in the world just because the writers chose to make these characters like Dina Jewish, you know, oh, Levis, yeah. Levis Trent, like like all these characters. Yeah. Um, Lev B. Trans was handled very, right. very well. It's not like they ever, even if they did, it wouldn't be wrong, but it's not like they made it a point to say, like, well, this is why this character is the way that they are. This is Lev the Trans. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, in big block letters yeah. on the screen yeah. when she first shows up. Yeah, that'll really angry. That'll really anger the uh, the other side. But like, yeah, but yeah, like it's it's all handled tactfully, and like it explores this whole like uh, it explores the character's identity, it explores their, their 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 journey throughout the world, in a very like very subtle way that feels natural to progress the story. And I don't know, like I'm sure people. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think part of it too is like they take a lot of norm. Like Abby, a lot of people like we'll get into this in the next segment here about people's criticisms of the game, but. A lot of people look at Abby and like, oh, well, she's a dude. Why? Because she's like super oh jacked. Like, I, are women not allowed to be muscular? Like, I don't understand. Well, she's clearly a dude because she's not in the kitchen. Therefore, <laughs> I mean, like... It's, it's, it's <laughs> a way to cut that out of context. <laughs> I'm not going to cut it out. It, but, like, but, like that's, that's, just, that's, that's essentially like the, the kind of nonsense you'll read on Reddit. It's right. like this vocal minority of people who are just there to circle drink each other about being... Uh, uh, be you know beta cuck simp something bullshit. <laughs> it's it's all garbage. It's all garbage. Beta cuck simps. Like if 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 you turn on your television to any competition of physical strength, there'll be some very muscular women on there who'll be able to do things that most of you guys cannot fucking do. So deal with it. <laughs> I mean, like yeah, yeah, she's muscular. That's, that's because she works hard and trains every day. Mm-hmm. You know, there. Yes, that that I, is she a bad. Dude, most men out there don't look like that, all right? <laughs> Get over it. It's, sure. It's, Especially it's, the three dudes recording this podcast. <laughs> well, you closer to the... Yeah. Wow, yeah. Sasha really ouch, defended ouch, that one. Ouch, <laughs> uh, No, I said, but like... But, I, you know, it's, 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 it's an archaic point of view, and it's it's so uh, reductive. It's, it, I don't know, it, it makes me angry. Yeah, there are, um, I, I had shared an article with you guys previously about somebody... Um, took the time to re to review the workout regimen that was listed on Abby's wall in her room to then discredit how muscular she is and that, you know, she only does arms four times a month and the fact that there's a lack of protein in the pandemic, there's no way you should be able to that to be that muscular. I'm like, if you've got that much time to devote to trying to tear this fictional character down you should, probably, you should probably reassess your life. A Get a bit. job, guy. Like, <laughs> come on, it's like their job is professional Reddit writer. That's yeah, what they are. That's yeah. what they do. Professional Last of Us Two. Don't go on Last of Us Two Reddit, please. Yeah, just whatever I mean, you do. Like, just, just, don't, will, just don't go on Reddit. It will. Uh, yeah, it'll, it'll just like rot your brain, man. You'll end up with with 
ZWS, which is short for uh, Zach Wolf syndrome. So, um, <laughs> nobody wants a nobody case of that. Want, nobody wants a case of that. But it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's not officially it's not officially medically diagnosable yet. But <laughs> oh, it's out there. There's at least one case. I'll tell you that. Um, but you know, I, I just I don't know. It just it, I'm bothered by the way that some people have criticized this game, which brings us to our next segment. And there there are a lot of critiques of this game. A lot that don't we, make we, a ton we, of sense. We touched we touched on a lot of them, right? Uh, but yeah, we could go ahead, definitely move on to some of the bigger, the bigger face palms. So, all right, so so we did talk about we talked about Joel giving away his name. Yes, um, but just to revisit that, I, I think it's a stupid criticism because, like we mentioned, characters develop. Yeah, um, it's four years. Characters change, right? And and some people were saying, oh well, he's got PTSD. Like, there's no way a guy who has PTSD would you know, be so naive in that situation, which, which I think is nonsense because, like we mentioned, he lived a normal life before this all happened. So it's yeah. not like he's unfamiliar with living a peaceful life, which yeah. is stupid. And also, I mean, within the context of the game, I I don't recall any evidence showing that Joel is suffering from any sort of right. PTSD. Right. Granted, we don't, you know, we don't see it from the same character perspective that we do with Abby or with Ellie after the events of Joel's death. But still, I mean, sure. it's, I think that's um, somewhat of a, a leap to make to assume that he is suffering from PTSD from the events of the first game mm-hmm. when it's not really alluded yeah. to at all. And also, and if he was in the first game, maybe he found his peace here with Ellie. It's, you know, hey, like I said, it's been four years, characters have all been changed. I'm sorry that you don't like it, but deal with it. It's just dumb. You know? Yeah. It, it's, just, it's just, like, it's nitpicky. And I mentioned this to you before, so many, like, Every form of media that we consume, in some way, shape, or form, has points that are plot convenient. That's just that's just the way that everything works. In order for a movie to work, you have to have some plot conveniences. Yeah, it's no, no, just no. oh, the Hulk is always angry though. <laughs> <laughs> but like that, that's just the way that that all media always works. You can you can poke holes in every plot. I mean, everything that ever came out, and, and, always. No one wants to hear a story about like the thirty hours it took to like you know Abby to walk down to from Seattle to whatever to Jackson. Who cares? Mm-hmm. And that's the point of telling the story is to uh, is to tell the story and not to like preface everything you do. If you if you had a, if 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 every game you played had to be set up as meticulously as the Last of Us fans wanted, nothing would ever get made. Right. And plus, there there may have been uh, more information within. The original script, because as with any movie or television show, typically there's more information that's on the page than what actually gets translated onto the screen. So there may have been things that flesh these particular areas out a little bit more, or clarified things, or brought new perspectives. But um, those things may have just gotten left on the cutting room floor because there wasn't, um, you know, weren't enough hours, so to speak, to put into the game to. Mm-hmm. Yep. To include all that information. Absolutely. So, uh, alright, so here's one I'm going to leave for you guys to discuss. This one, because I think we touched on a little bit, but Dina's pregnancy was more plot point than character... Um, was more plot point than it was actual important to the story as, it, as the game unfolded, which I'm not sure I necessarily oh, buy that. I would agree with that. I think it... I mean, first of all, it shows complexity of dating and <laughs> yeah, they're, they're in, in the post-pandemic world, mm-hmm. uh, as, as we're all familiar with these days. Um, actually, none of us are, but... Uh, <laughs> but Don't out us on this podcast. <laughs> That'll be ugly for everybody, man. Um, but, like, the, you know, it's also... 
I think that, yeah, it's... She is a potential for Ellie to have a normal life after her Avenge story. Mm-hmm. And the, Dina's pregnancy does so much more than that. Because, it, it, like, as Jesse points out, how, like, how Ellie's always still out there for Avenge, even though Dina's not feeling well, and, like, this is important. It's, it's her life and the baby's life at stake. And, and Ellie's still putting her revenge ahead of all these things. Uh, she's like, and then, even when she's like, oh, let's just go get Tommy and leave, they go to get Tommy, and she's like, did I say Tommy? I've been happy. <laughs> uh, and, 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 you know, it, it shows her, like, her, this pregnancy, pregnancy shows the ugly side of Ellie coming out and this need for revenge. And it, it also gives her, like, something that's worth living for after the revenge that she throws away. So I think uh, that there's, a, it's, there's a lot more to it than that. And I also, I do think there is some importance to the development of the character of Dina herself with the pregnancy because yeah, she, she mentions that yeah, she's not she, careful she, she realized sex. Got it, yeah. <laughs> she realized while they were still on on their way to Seattle that oh I maybe I think I'm pregnant and she she could have spoken up at that time and been like hey Ellie you know what maybe this isn't the best idea for me to be going here but I'm gonna head out <laughs> <laughs> but she who did that to you but it shows Kitty bitches better be wearing jimmies. <laughs> it, it shows the loyalty that that yes. Dina has to Ellie, mm-hmm. that she recognizes that the importance of this, and that Ellie can't do this on her own. So she makes that sacrifice and continues to forge ahead with Ellie, knowing that okay, maybe physically this isn't the best choice for me to make, but I'm committed to to Ellie and helping her through this task that she feels she needs to do yeah no, I, I, I definitely don't. I, I don't think that was just a, a, a beat they wrote it just to you know because they're bad writers or whatever Tommy's character wasn't expanded all the way well no they got me with this one I got nothing no I'm just kidding uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, would you like to do yeah, okay uh, Tommy's I mean Tommy first of all was a side note. He was an asterisk in the first game, mm-hmm. so like okay, and then so he, he's definitely a much more full fledged character in this one. Uh, is he's not fully expanded? No, he's not. But is he relevant to the story? It's kind of. Is he the story? Kind of. Oh, oh, good. So like he he's there where he needs to be. I think Tommy's kind of an asshole at the end of the game. Oh, big time. Uh, we talked. I, I mentioned this earlier because he he's he comes and pulls Ellie out of this peaceful life that she could have retired into essentially. And lived happily with a child and Dina and on this beautiful farm. Oh my god, I live on that farm. Um, you know, beautiful place. And he comes and rips her out of this. I think they were because... living in Evansville, Indiana, too. <laughs> definitely, definitely not. Not flat enough. Um, <laughs> only there can you see your, do- your, your dog run away for three days. Um, but the. You know, he comes and rips her out of this because he's literally thrown away everything in his life for this revenge. And now that he has nothing else and he can't execute the revenge. He comes and dumps it on Ellie. And so, like, there is... His character is there. It's just subtle. It's not... Again, it's thrown in your face. Like, a lot of the other stuff, story elements kind of are. Um, but Tommy's not a main character. He doesn't get a main character. I don't know. Writing. That's fine. I don't know. I, I didn't think... That, I, I, don't, I didn't feel like I needed to see more of Tommy. And I'm glad I didn't see less. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like he's... Um, especially coming in towards the end. Um, I saw him more so as the um, I guess kind of like the the well, the warning or the sort of the foreshadowing of this is this is what this revenge cycle is going to lead to for Ellie if she continues down this path you see 
Tommy has lost literally everything. Um, and that's, like I said, that's where, that's where Ellie is heading if she continues down this same, same course and, and follows him along that path of revenge. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I agree with your point as well. I mean, not, you can't have a, you know, a full-flown, um, you know, 30-hour character arc for every single character. Right. I mean, could Tommy have been fleshed out a little bit more? Possibly, if you you made him a larger character within the story, but most of the time that he's in the story, it's them trying to catch up to him. Yeah. So he doesn't have a lot of screen time, and based on the structure of the narrative, there's not really an opportunity to, because they're, he's, he's, they're constantly trying to catch up to him. Yeah. No, there's, there's no opportunity for it. There's, I can't think of a reason to, to, to do it more. Like, you know, you know about Tommy. Him and Joel have a similar backstory. They like they 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 survive a pandemic together. They like Tommy. You you, you learn more about him. How he like, he did awful things. He worked with the Fireflies. Like you know, like you learn about, about Tommy. You get more detail. But I don't need to know more. So let's let's wrap it up here. Um, oh, I'd like Jesse. <laughs> Not supposed to be high five in a pandemic, but that was worthy of one. Um, so let's let's just discuss the end of the game here, um, because I found the end just absolutely perfect in so many ways. Right? So Abby Abby passes on her chance to kill Ellie. Right? Ellie decides she wants to try and off Abby uh, in, in the water. Um, oh, I I, I, I whole, legit died there because I didn't want to kill Abby. Uh, it's like that. Like you wish it was like I did the same thing. Where like I wonder if this is one of those hidden moments where it might give me a choice. Yeah, yeah. To like to like what I do with with Abby here, but like instead you get murdered. Right. Uh, <laughs> spoilers. Uh, <laughs> but, but I I thought that whole scene was just I was a, expertly crafted emotional mm-hmm. roller coaster. Like Nathan Zed discusses in the video, which we plugged before. Um, and now again, and now again, the first thing that so Abby uh, Ellie finds Abby with the Rattlers, which are in Santa Barbara, and the first thing that Abby does after she's cut down by Ellie is go to save Liv, mm-hmm. right? Like so, revenge isn't even on Abby's mind at this point. Yeah. Like she's a shell of herself. Her muscles are gone. Her hair is cut. Like she just, she looks nothing like. She's been a slave for a month. It's right, like awful. it's it's like, awful. Just everything about it is yeah. bad. Um, murdering those slavers was probably the most satisfying. Right, game right. Going on. They're like, oh, here's a silenced SMG. You know, <laughs> so so Abby Ellie loses a few fingers. She goes to play guitar. She realizes you can't when you try and strum on the controller, mm-hmm. which is a cool mechanic yep. that the game has, and and that's like one yeah, of four exclusive, <laughs> and that's like one of her connections to Joel mm-hmm. is, is to play the guitar. And when you realize she's not have the fingers to do it, I mean, that's pretty tough. I mean, she's not in Black Sabbath, so she can't play guitar with missing fingers. Yeah. But, um, I, I just thought everything about it was just so perfect. Like, I don't think you could have ended the game in a better way than the way that they did. Uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not a good enough runner to get creative around that, like, like everyone else on Reddit is, apparently. Uh, <laughs> But no, I think it, it's 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 fight a very, me Reddit. <laughs> we're calling you out. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I thought it was it was it was like sad and beautiful at the same time. It was you know she'd lost everything, but she'd regained she, like she'd retained her humanity in a sense, where like, she had decided to not murder uh, 
someone who'd been who'd clearly been suffering and lived an awful life for mm-hmm. some time and like who's clearly like been through their own shit. And, you know, I thought that was you know, it in the end she saves her, right? If she hadn't gone to Santa Barbara to hunt her down and try to kill her, she would have died out there, mm-hmm. right? So in the end, like not only does she not kill her, she actually saves her and, and Lev. And not to mention even bringing it back a little bit before that when Abby and, and you have the Abby and Ellie fight in the theater mm-hmm. and you know Abby tell you know Abby tells her like I never want to see you again like never yeah. show your face around me again because yeah. next time I'll finish it right and obviously Abby does it but like it just goes to show you that Abby was ready to wash her hands of it she was ready to be done with this like yeah. Yeah. she wanted she didn't she never yeah. wanted to kill Ellie and obviously she didn't understand Ellie's the importance of Ellie's character just being immune and everything but like she didn't want this like she broke the cycle and then Tommy comes in as an asshole and and forces like guilt Ellie into doing this yeah uh, Ellie you know mentions she can't sleep she can't all she thinks about is yeah, she has the... yeah exactly and all she thinks about is wanting to exact revenge for, for Joel but that's not what she really wants is she just wants peace right yeah, so she wants, she wants peace she wants closure right so I just think that like everything it, it's so in line with what the characters were written to be the entire game mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, like you said, it's um, it's a, a perfect way to to end the game. It doesn't. It's not a ha- it's not a happy ending by any it, means. It's, it's definitely not feeling good. It's I I don't even know that I would say it's necessarily a tragic ending either. No. It's it's just right. You know, she she leaves the guitar and all of her other possessions in that room. Um, essentially laying them to rest just as she did with this this chapter of her life it's mm-hmm. not to say that um, you know she's done with Joel or anything like that she's simply just she's made her peace with what's happened and now she's re- ready to move on um, and I think also going back to realizing that trying to figure out her life would have mattered had she been saved I think she, there's some realization there that she still has the agency and the ability to make her life matter. Yeah. She may not, it may not matter to the entirety of the world, but her life can still matter to, to Dina or to Tommy or to these other people, the people that she interacts with. And, um, she kind of presumably sets, sets out on a path to do that or, who knows what yeah, else, whatever else right. All right. so before we move on to the last segment this is a, a topic that was heavily discussed by some friends and, and ours and Sasha I actually haven't gotten your point of view on this so I think this is going to make for very very good podcasting here we friends. so in theory uh, some days um, so the decision that Joel made in The Last of Us 1 to not have Ellie killed is that the if you were in Joel's shoes would you have done the same thing Oof, that's a hard one. Uh, I can't. So, I, I'll be a little political on this answer. Uh, I can't say I would, but I've also never. Uh, I've not gone through what Joel has gone through, right? Mm-hmm. I haven't lost. I, I don't have a daughter to lose, nor have I lost a daughter. Uh, you know, I what haven't. About tr- a son. Uh, Dad. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, gave, I gave you away. Um, the. Like, you know, I haven't traveled with this person who literally saved my life for, mm-hmm. for you know, nine months. Right. You know, it's a, it's a very different, like, I, I feel very attached to the Elliot and Joel characters, but I, like, I'm also still, like, a player playing a game, and mm-hmm. I'm a little detached from the situation. Um, God, I don't know. I 
probably would have. So here's here's the way I see it. I probably would have let her die. Right. So so here's the way I see it, right? In in that situation in that world, if they kill Ellie and they come up with a vaccine or a cure, then it was worth Ellie dying. Right? Joel, I mean, Joel, maybe Joel disagrees, but yes, right. Yeah, in theory, that's that's that's, right. that's the bargain we're making, right? Right. Yeah. If Ellie dies, and let's say they come up with a vaccine that only cures five people, but you know, moving forward, this wasn't the answer. That's still a net positive, right? Okay. Well, what if Ellie dies and nobody gets cured? Then you know, in the future, this was not the answer. What you can afford to know in this world is not knowing, one way or the other. So I mean, it's it's so it's a little more complicated than that, I think, because that doctor and the fireflies know that that's not the answer, but nobody else does, right? Because like they don't have email, there's no internet, no one's talking to each other. They can't just tweet about it. No, thank God. <laughs> uh, or go on Reddit. Yeah. Hashtag not the cure. <laughs> um, but you know, so it's I don't know. I think I think like yeah, if like if this was like a sustained effort in modern society, yeah, you'd say okay, everybody we know this isn't it. This ain't mm-hmm. it, folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, move on. But you know, who's to know, who's to know that? Who, how how do we know that you know some faction in you know Canada didn't try this exact same thing mm-hmm. and they murdered her and they didn't they, that's, they didn't find success? Right. That's the first actual credible argument I will take. Yeah, and so because like, I've I've heard arguments of like, well, it's not worth it to have her die because you love her, and and utilitarianism isn't. Uh, listen, like that, you know, like I, it's like that. That's a valid personal argument. But if I'm going to make an argument to somebody else, that's not what I, I can make, right? Mm-hmm. And that's why I said like I can't make I can't make I don't have this, like the experiences that Joel had, right? Yeah. Like this is mankind at stake here. Uh, I mean, it's, but, you, but you've been on Reddit. Yeah. So think about that again. Fair point. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, do they have Reddit in that world? Is it still a thing? I, they, have, they have clickers. It's <laughs> close. <laughs> this is, uh, you know, and again, this is part of what makes the first game and this game the tremendous games that they are because they raise these questions that cause you to think and they challenge you about what your worldview is and what you mm-hmm. would do in these circumstances. Um, and I don't know. I don't know what that right answer would be. I certainly see that, like you said, if there's a possibility that um, Ellie's sacrifice, especially knowing that this is what she would want to do, mm-hmm. and um, taking that into consideration, then is the morally right thing to then go ahead and follow through with that. Um, but on the same token... I mean, you, you, you didn't promise. You know, is... <laughs> Is, is it right to, you know, at, at what point does it end? You know, right. if you're willing to sacrifice this one person, how many people are you willing to sacrifice? It's, it's the train of art. And ultimately, you know, thinking of, I'm looking at it as a theoretical, um, it's a lot easier to say than if, if I was there and it was the person that I cared about the most. Good. Let's say the only person you care about on the planet. <laughs> Nebula. Yeah. <laughs> um, Hope she's listening. But no, if, if it was the person that I cared about the most, could I make that decision and step aside and allow them to do that? And I don't know I don't know that yeah, I could. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. It's, it's tough because oh, you're also like taking the life of a, how old is she in the first 14-year-old 14, girl? 14, yeah. In your hands. And 
you know, like you could look at it as, well, she's got the rest of her life to live, or she just doesn't, or she might not understand the gravity of, of what her life really means. I mean, in the second game, you get the feeling that she totally understands that. Or, sure. like, she says that her life could have meant something, right? Well, also, like, she was older at the time. She was, she was, like, 15, 16. Right. In that flashback. And, like, there's all sorts of, like... There's all sorts of things that just complicate it more and more. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, yeah, but, like... If you had asked her at the time, she maybe she would have said no. You know, mm-hmm. it's, I, Joel didn't give her the choice. That's so why she's upset with him. I, I get that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but... I would have lost her. I would, have done, I would have done it myself. You, you would have killed Just anyone. Not of even us. think it twice. Any one of you. you, you I'll, put, you, I'll put each and every one of you on the operating table. I don't care. Now did it work? Try this. Try this guy over here. <laughs> Just keep going. Is he viewed? I don't know. No, 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 no. Just give him the throw on there. Why not? Coming Figure next week, the one nerd podcast. <laughs> Joe has sacrificed all of us to cure the coronavirus. Just, <laughs> just, just call it nerd. <laughs> I like it. Good read to it. All right. So, so let's. There, I mean, if we know anything about video games, there's going to be a part three, right? I, so, I would. It's open ended. I would think so. Right. I actually didn't think the first one was open ended, so the sequel kind of surprised me when they announced it. Mm-hmm. Pleasantly well, surprised. Let, let's talk about the only thing that matters. I believe this is now the fastest selling or the best selling PlayStation exclusive that's ever been. I believe it surpassed Marvel Spider Man. Okay. Um, so, there's money to be made out of The Last of Us Part Three. Mm-hmm. So. I would be shocked if yeah. there is not going to be right. another one. And I, and I do hear that companies like money. That, this is true. <laughs> in theory. Not, people in general, yeah. usually. <laughs> Especially companies. Yeah. So, um, yeah, where, where, what do you, where do you guys think this is going next? And I, is this a game, probably the game of the generation? Is that safe so to say? So, where we go next, I think... Ellie's hunt for purpose? <laughs> <laughs> that, that could be part of it. I don't think we're done with Abby and Lev. You know, I think that they are... My understanding is that after you've beaten the game, you know, the the title screen changes. Mm -hmm. That's meant to be Catalina Island, where the Fireflies supposedly have Mm -hmm. begun to to regather. So could it be that they now are journeying to find Ellie again? Mm -hmm. Because they know that this this is the person who was immune. Mm -hmm. So now we parallel between... Um, Abby and Lev on a quest to find Ellie. Meanwhile, we have Ellie's story of this is what I'm is going on in my life mm-hmm. um, until they eventually meet again. I'll tell you that Reddit Red will have a heart attack if they have to play as Abby as you can. <laughs> not unless, oh, not unless she get she had like more hours of this. She like loses all her muscle and like gets a boob job or something like that, and then they'll be totally happy with, with Abby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I mean, I feel like that's what, what makes the most logical. Sense. Where you guys? You know, it's a, it's a good question because this game, in, in a good way, was nothing like what I expected it to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Like, and um, I think when they announced it, you had a general idea. And, you know, maybe I was one of those people that were like, well, Joel and Ellie are going to live an adventurous life now, or they're going to ward off the fireflies, and then Joel, maybe Joel will die at the end, and like a heroic death or something like that to save them. Obviously, this game is nothing like that. Mm. And I'm totally cool with that. I'm fine with that because I can accept that, Reddit. Um, so. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, I'm, I'm, we are coming for Reddit at this right, point. Right, I'm so mad at that that freaking neckbeard. <laughs> it just bothers me. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I don't know. I can't even hazard a guess. I mean, the safe money is in Abby and Lev returning, right? Mm-hmm. Because the way you look at it, if Abby were to die in this game by Ellie's hand, Lev would just continue the cycle of violence, mm-hmm. right? I mean, she would be coming for Ellie at some point. But the fact that both of them didn't die and they kind of have they get to kind of live that Joel and Ellie life now 
we'll yeah, see where maybe maybe Zombie Joel comes back and kills Abby in the next <laughs> game. I mean, that would be with a golf club. That would be fun. <laughs> If in the next game you do not play Zombie Joel hunting Ellie on a murderous rampage across the United States, I'm boycotting Naughty Dog. This is this is the only only way I'll accept it. Uh, you know, I mean, like, no, it's I I would I can't even fathom the guess. Like I said, like I, like Joe said, I I could not have guessed. I I, did, I definitely didn't guess where Last of Us Part Two was going, um, and the wonderfully heartbreaking ride that it was. Uh, I I do, I. I, w- I did expect uh, Abby and Lev for her her him to come back, but I I'm down for it if that does. Mm-hmm. I that that be a I, I kind of want them to kind of ride off into the sunset happily ever after and just like give me one little piece of happiness <laughs> in this terrible awful world. You know, I feel um, like there there's possibility that especially considering the apparent backlash related to these characters that they could not return. Mm-hmm. But I think within the context of the story, if the Fireflies are coming back together, Abby's there's too- there's no there's no way you just kind yeah. of write that off and don't continue no, I, to I, I follow agree. that. When, when you realize, I mean, when you put into context just how important Abby's father was to the Fireflies and the work yeah. that they were doing, and how it's almost like the prodigal daughter returning. I hope Abby she's a terrible doctor. <laughs> <laughs> you can do the surgery, right? No. <laughs> you have to try. Bees? <laughs> she didn't know that an arm was splintered, sir. I don't. I don't think this is a good idea. <laughs> um, don't touch me. I'm sterile. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, you figured that Abby would come back. I, I mean, I would be down for it. Like, it makes sense. Like now that you're saying it, I like it. I can see it. You know. Um, so now if she doesn't come back in the next game, I'm boycotting Naughty Dog. As, <laughs> um, Zombie Joel or bust. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's my way or the highway, Naughty Dog. God damn it. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's, I, I, I'm excited to see what they do. I think there's a lot of potential for it. I Obviously financially for them and like emotionally for me. Uh, <laughs> so I'd, I'd love to see it, whatever it is. Naughty, I, actually, what I want to use this podcast as a platform is to, is to apologize to Naughty Dog for all your ter- for all the fans who, who are just being terrible. Well, yeah, because they review-bombed it to start. I know. I know. Um, it, the leaks were bad, and, and everybody was ripping. When, when I don't the leaks, mind leaks. I don't mind leaks either, but the leaks were bad from the perspective of people, when the leaks came out, people were ragging on it because yeah. of the diversity that the leaks showed. People, mind, uh, people made up their mind before they played the game. Yeah. Uh, and that and didn't change. Just, uh, yeah, like people, they, people people made up their mind the second that that Joel's head was blasted into into the ninth row in Yankee Stadium. Is what happened. It was a hole in one, so it's fine. Uh, <laughs> so like, hole in one's at baseball. Who, but who's using a golf club at Yankee Stadium? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a real question we need to address. That's a good question. The writer of this podcast is terrible. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the like, fuck! I lost my train of thought. <laughs> so. Let's let's shift gears to the other the second part of Joe's question. There is this the game of the PlayStation Four generation. I mean, I mean, we've got one of the other. We've got God of War is another one of the big ones. We've got um, some of the multi-platform items like we've got The Witcher Three. We've got Red Dead Redemption Two. Um, All right, and then PlayStation. We also have the sibling to The Last of Us Part Two in Uncharted Four. Mm-hmm. Also, you can't um, forget uh, Skyrim. Skyrim, yes, <laughs> of course. The re re remaster, re release, yeah. Uh, I actually play it on my Xbox though. So, uh, but all right. So, so I'll run. Sp- I freaking love Spider Man, yeah. right? And and I loved Spider Man because 
while I expected to play like a fun superhero game, I didn't know that that game would have the heart that it did. Yeah. And it and it just like every the relationship between Peter and Aunt May when this game had the balls to do what the comic books never could, and that was kill Aunt May. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and I thought that was I mean I'm sorry Aunt May. I thought that was marvelous, like because we we really well, haven't. Unintended. You should apologize to us for that nice. pun. Nice. It was not intended, by the way. But uh, don't don't be a coward and intend your puns. <laughs> Can't. I always do. Um, oh, I know. So so like I love Spider Man. God of War I thought was excellent, but um, I just think like it was very like point A to point B with with the boy, and I think like boy boy right, and and I felt like every. <laughs> Everything with Kratos and and the and boy was very good, but like, I don't know. It just it didn't hit home with me quite like other other games in this generation did. Uh, Red Dead Redemption Two was a steaming pile of dog shit. I'm sorry. I just like that that you know if you want to direct your anger somewhere, Reddit, you should direct it at <laughs> yeah, Red Dead Redemption Two. Spew your control at bad because that game was riding horse from point A to point B for forty hours until something kind of happened at the end. With an eight-hour uh, epilogue after that, of which is just of, like of, of literally shoveling shit. It was literally. I just. I mean, when people talk about games as art, I certainly understand it. But like, no. So like, this is definitely up there. I mean, The Witcher Three is one of my favorite games of all time. Period. Um, it's it's it has to be up there. I mean, this is Sony's flagship for better or worse. This is their flagship franchise right now. I mean, uh, I again, it might be recency bias. I just beat this game like. End of last week, and or not, not even even, uh, but I think Last of Us one and two maybe in my top ten games of all time probably, uh, like mostly because I don't think I've ever felt like the emotional response to a game that I felt playing those games, mm-hmm. like when it when I've never I've very rarely wanted to not murder the villain at the end of the game you know the villain quote unquote especially in this game you know I've I've never wanted Ellie to just stay put so badly in Wyoming on a ranch somewhere. I'm like, please do not do this. This is such a, like, no, I don't want to adventure and kill more people with you. I want to live on a farm with Dina. Yeah. You know, like, I've never felt that emotional response as strong as I did with those games. And that's that's why I love them so much. That's why I was so excited to play them. Um, that's why, like, it's one of the three games I bought this year at full price on launch. You know, it was that, Final Fantasy VII, and Sushi Ghosts. Um... <laughs> But you know, it's, which is a tremendous game, by the way. Ghost of Tsushima, I just finished, wonderful game, magnificent. Uh, it's, it's it's in progress. Uh, but you know, so I I think it's definitely a contender for uh, game of this generation. I can't I can't think of a, a competitor against it. Maybe Witcher Three. Uh, Spider Man is great, but it doesn't hit the same highs. I mm-hmm. think. I think. Um, you know, I obviously I haven't played as many of the the games of this generation as the two of you have, but. That's because um, you play Rainbow Six Siege all the time. Yes, Rainbow Six Siege. I'm, I, I'm well known for having the worst possible aim that anyone could ever have in Rainbow Six Siege. Only so, thing worse than your jokes and your takes oof, is your aim. Ouch. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, really, when the two games that I think kind of come to the top of the list, and not to just, you know, beat a dead horse for what everybody else talks about, but, Red Dead Redemption. you know, God of War, mm-hmm. and it's... It's ironic because I've always been the God of War guy. It's always been my go-to franchise. But as great as this most recent one was, it didn't... I finished it, I got the Platinum, and I put it aside, and I said, okay, I don't know that I ever I never return thought back to this game, right. despite having played the previous ones multiple times. But this is a game that I just finished recently, 
and I am anxious to go back to it and explore it more. I'm actually planning in the near future to play one and two back to back. And I think that combined with the, the challenging themes and the, the story that's being told and the characters and how they're developed. Um, I mean, for me, I think this is it. This is, if I was going to tell somebody to buy a PS4 and get one game, this is the game I would mm-hmm. tell them to get. Mm-hmm. Certainly fair. It's certainly fair. And, and it's especially awesome when Samuel L. Jackson shows up at the end after the credits <laughs> and, and, and asks El- Elliot to tells her about the Last Avengers initiative. <laughs> it's just tremendous. I mean, this guy's in everything. Talk about a twist. Now, right. Well, one other thing I wanted to talk about as far as the quality of the game is to ask you guys, The Last of Us versus The Last of Us Part 2, who you got? Which is... All right. It's, it's a tough question, right? Because they're both very, very different games in like, what they try to accomplish. Last of Us ends on a happier note, so I have this, like, much fonder memory of it, mm-hmm. where, like, the giraffe... Oh, tears. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, like, whereas, but Last of Us 2 is a much more complex game. Uh, and, like, I, 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 I did not want to go back and play it immediately, because I wanted to sit with that game for a little bit. Like, I, actually, I started up, I started up Ghost of Tsushima. I played about an hour or two of that, and I put that down. I said, you know what, I, I need to, like, not play any games for a little bit. <laughs> I just sit with Last of Us 2. some me time. Yeah. Just like, gotta I, think about it. I, yeah, I need to, like, I, I just need to sit on it for a long time. So mm-hmm. I, um... Paper Mario, man. <laughs> I'm playing League of Legends. way worse. Oh um, my god, why? Uh, so glad for punishment. Uh, but I, I think Last of Us 2, I think, is the better game. But I think I'm more likely to replay Last of Us 1. The, the thing that comes to mind with me are, is another original and sequel that shares the same titling structure and that would be the godfather and the godfather oh i think i think about aliens no <laughs> nope so but aliens is a better I analogy think, i think when you look at the godfather and the godfather part two the godfather part two one with its use of flashbacks and multiple narratives going on mm-hmm. and the increased scope that the story took um, I think it's very similar to the transition from The Last of Us to The Last of Us Part Two, um, And I think, objectively speaking, there are many aspects of The Last of Us Part Two that are better than the original. Just mm-hmm. like there are aspects of The Last of the Godfather Part Two that are objectively better than the original. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I know it was with, you. With the, ori- <laughs> with the original <laughs> having laid the, ground, the groundwork in each case, um, you know... <sighs> It's tough. It's, it's, tough. it's, it's tough. tough. I it's mean, I tough. think, you know, if I had to choose, I would probably go with the original The Last of Us by by a very slim margin at this point. Right, but and I think just to, just to put a bow on this, I think you like you look at The Last of Us, the first one, and it was just very, like... So the plot was simple, right? But it's the way that it was told that made it so good, mm-hmm. right? Like, like, taking, like, bringing point A to point B is something that we've seen in movies and just, like... You know, I don't know about Bergman's Virgin Spring at all, but like, it's just like something when it comes to Last of Us 2, it's just like, it's so nuanced and the little things that make the game so good, Abby's, Abby's nightmares and like the way she wakes up from her nightmares and she's like exasperated until like the last time she wakes up peacefully Mm -hmm. after she saves Lev and everything's okay with, like, it's little things like that that are just so goddamn good. So like, it's it's tough, but I, I, I'm leaning Last of Us 2 only because it had a lot more emotional punch than I thought. Then I thought it was just going to be a simple like revenge game, but it just mm-hmm. wasn't. Yeah, I mean, like, 
let's give it to The Last of Us, though, for innovating the uh, not total awful uh, co-character following you around trope. Right. That was fantastic. <laughs> right. It's like, oh, Ellie's not a burden? Amazing. Looking at you, Resident Evil 5. Uh, <laughs> Son of a bitch. Or, or, or 4. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I would take Last of Us 1 by a slim margin, but that's only because like, it has a little, it's, it's a little more simple, and like I don't have to deal with hard emotions all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um and it has a lot, like I said, it's mostly for like the feel good ending on that one. Uh, but I, th- I think that it really says something about the Last of Us Part Two when you talk about the, the original having a, a happy ending, <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> right? Like, so like again, I'm going to re- refer to Nathan Zed video again, but it was tremendous, and he said, "So the Last of Us One is is a game about hope that ends in misery underneath. The Last of Us Two is a game about misery, but ends." with hope mm-hmm. at the end. Yeah, I would, so, I would agree with that. So so I think that's like, it's just, they're two perfect foils for one another in a lot of ways. So, yeah, I, I think that's just, I mean, this is a long episode, but we were just so excited to talk about this damn game because I, I, if you couldn't tell, the three of us were massive fans of it. We did, we could not disagree more with a lot of the criticisms. We could have went on for two two hours, three hours talking we're, about this one. We're almost there. Yeah, yeah. so, so we're, we're going to call it, we're going to call it quits on this, but you, fair listener, tell us what you think. You can drop us a line, a tweet, at two nerds and a third. You can send us an email at two nerds and a third at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Rivera SN when I'm not spewing bad baseball takes. Sasha, why don't you give him your Twitter? Uh, at Wild761, where I tweet sometimes. You can find Matt at your local accounting firm. And uh, <laughs> we, we hope to have Matt back on someday, hopefully not to talk about movies, because that's where he does most of his damage. But, Matt, it was wonderful having you on. Thank I'm you for joining us. Very happy to be here. So until next time, fair listeners, please, please, please remember to support your local comic shop. Take care. <laughs>